Chronicles on the screen, but I want you to turn to two different places with me tonight, if you could. Uh, I, I do want you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 2, first of all, and second. Uh, I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 is what I meant to say, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and hold your place at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and I want you to turn over with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12. And some of you may, that may ring a bell. We had another preacher here this week that preached out of Luke chapter 12. Uh, Brother Moore preached out of Luke chapter 12. And as he was preaching this week, man, and I already knew I was, Lord willing, I was heading this direction. And uh, as he was reading, I thought, wow, that goes right along with what I'm, what I'm preaching on Sunday night. And so I want to read Luke chapter 12 first, and then we're going to get over to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I didn't give you a handout tonight, but we're going to use our Bibles a lot this evening, and we're going to have to do it quickly, so uh, you're going to have to, if you'll listen fast, I'll preach fast tonight, all right? Uh, I don't, I, I love a message that has a hook in them, and I'm not really sure that this message has a hook in it tonight. Uh, I don't know this would be the, the, a great, uh, this wouldn't be a great message to try to get people down to the altar, but I, I believe that this is just going to be interesting and I, I believe it's going to be uh, I believe it's going to feed you tonight and uh, I just really felt like this was the direction that the Lord wanted us to go so when you find your places if you're able to stand let's stand tonight and <clears throat> we're going to start Luke chapter 12 and look if you will please at verse number 25 and the Bible says in which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit if ye then be not able to do that which is least why take ye thought for the rest Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toll not, neither, or they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was arrayed, or was not arrayed, like one of these. Interesting <clears throat> statement there. That Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which <clears throat> is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, <clears throat> how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Look at verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I want to pay special close attention to verse number 32. The Bible says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. All right, so keep that in mind. All right, now I want you to go over to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and we're going to read several verses in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and then we're going to camp out in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 just a little bit tonight, and we'll go to Isaiah just a little bit and a few other places. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 1. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, notice what happened here. The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down uh, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. And King Solomon offered a 
sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. And the priests waited on their offices, the Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord, which David the king had made to praise the Lord because his mercy endureth forever. When David praised by their ministry, and the priest sounded trumpets before them, and all Israel stood. Moreover, Solomon hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings, because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings and the meat offerings and the fat. Uh, also at that time, Solomon kept the feast seven days. And all Israel with him, a very great congregation from the entering in of Hamath under the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day, they made a solemn assembly for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. And on the three and 20th day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents, glad and merry in heart for the goodness that the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel his people. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house he prosperously effected. And you may be seated uh, tonight. And don't ever forget this that the Old Testament is an illustration of New Testament truth. And so from time to time, you'll meet somebody along the way and they'll say, we don't need the Old Testament anymore. Wait a minute now. My Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And so that means that not only is the New Testament profitable, but the Old Testament is profitable as well. And so we're going to, we're going to use an Old Testament illustration to try to teach you a little bit on a New Testament truth tonight, and we're going to have to really put it in high gear, but I, I hope it'll be a blessing to you, and, and I, I, like I said, I believe it'll just be, it'll just be interesting, and I, it's things that we need, to, we need to understand. And so let's go to the Lord, ask the Lord to help us, and we'll jump into the Bible study tonight. Father, thank you for church. Thank you for Calvary. Uh, Lord, we love this place. There's something about it. Uh, Lord, the choir sang it this morning. There's something different in the air on Sunday. There really is. That's not just a little chorus. That's really true. And God, we thank you so much for, uh, Lord, that spirit and that presence that you manifest here on a regular basis. Heavenly Father, may we never get used to it. May we never take it for granted, realizing that if you wanted to, Lord, you could take it away. And I pray you never do that. I pray that we'll always have the presence of God here until Jesus returns. Father, knit our hearts together now. We're getting ready to, to cover a lot of ground. And so I pray that you'll teach us a great truth. And I pray that, Heavenly Father, you'll help us to be ready to meet Jesus. Thank you for your blessings. We love you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray and for his sake, amen. The book of 2 Chronicles covers the, just to give you a little background here, covers the same time period as First and 2 Kings. And so if you're reading through your Old Testament and uh, you read 1 Kings, 2 Kings, when you make your way into the book of Chronicles, uh, you, you'll find out it covers a lot of the same things. One of the crucial events that 2 Chronicles records is the reign and the extraordinary kingdom of King Solomon. And we notice here that even Jesus himself mentioned it or made mention of it 
in Luke chapter 13. Solomon's reign was so different than that of the other kings of Israel. And you have to go back and and read that to understand what I'm talking about there. But as you go back and you read of so many of the other kings of Israel, you'll understand that that uh, that the children of Israel uh, under those other kings they knew hardship and and uh, often it was a heathenistic kingdom. Although it was Israel, it was a very heathen kingdom, and it was filled with paganism. And sometimes it really even steeped down into the uh, you know into the depths of sin with things like human sacrifice and idolatry. And there were different kings of Israel that that got so low as to offer their own children on a on a burnt sacrifice. It was a, sacri- a, a kingdom of selfishness. Often it was a kingdom of immorality. In fact, there were things that many of the kings did and brought their kingdoms into that we couldn't even really talk about in a mixed, uh, in a mixed crowd. And so when Solomon came on the throne and God began to bless the kingdom of Solomon, you know what? It, 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 it really changed things in the favor of the people of God. And although David's kingdom was a great kingdom and it was blessed of God, some have said, and this is the message tonight, some have said that Solomon's kingdom was a special blessing from God to his people. Again, I want to say that again, that Solomon's kingdom was a special blessing from God to his people. In fact, this week as I was reading, and I want you to look with me if you will, in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, just a page or two over, we find that the queen of Sheba came to visit King Solomon. And uh, notice, if you will, what the queen of Sheba said about Solomon's kingdom in 2 Chronicles chapter 9 and verse number 6. Uh, Howbeit, she said, I believed not their words until I came. In other words, she said, I heard of the splendor, I heard of the glory. Howbeit, I believed not their words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me, for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. Now look what she says about Solomon's kingdom. She said, happy are thy men, and happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee, to set thee on his throne to be a king for the Lord thy God. Now look at this. this. Because thy God loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore made he the king over them to do judgment and justice. In other words, uh, Queen of Sheba echoed the same thing. She said, really Solomon, your kingdom is a blessing of God upon his people. But we see a wonderful, wonderful picture here. In the same way that God blessed his people with the kingdom of Solomon, did you know that God is gonna provide one of these days, God is gonna provide a special blessing to his people and not just Israel, but God is gonna give you a special blessing in the future by giving us another 
king. Now, when this king comes on his throne, Solomon will vanish off in the background. As great as Solomon's kingdom was, it will be just a, but a foretaste of what this new king and this new kingdom will be. Because this new king will be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The Lord's gonna let the Lord come and the Lord is gonna set up that kingdom. Now, again, we're gonna get right right into the message tonight, but I wanna make sure that we understand what all is going on here. So, Brother Rick, can I use you just for a second? And so I want you to understand the timeline here. Come on up, if you will. And we're going to let Brother Ricky, uh, we're going to let Brother Ricky illustrate the first thing on God's prophetical timeline, the rapture of the church. And so before this kingdom that I'm talking about can take place, there's another event that's got to take place, and that's the rapture of the church. And so everybody here tonight needs to make sure that you're ready for the rapture of the church. And you'll only be ready for the rapture if you're a born-again child of God. And so you need to make sure you're safe. Now, what is the rapture? Well, that's when uh, Christ is going to come, not going to come to the earth. He's going to come in the air, the Bible says. And a trumpet's going to sound. And those that are uh, uh, those that are already dead uh, went to the grave. They've been saved. They're going to get a little head start on us. Bible says graves are going to open up, and uh, those that are dead in Christ, those that sleep in the Lord, they're going to ascend. Then us that are still alive and remain, we're looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. Amen. Uh, well, we're going to be called up in this rapture, and we're going to meet the Lord in the air. Brother States, can I use you just for a second? And so, so this is the rapture of the church. Now, when the rapture of the church takes place. Then something's going to happen on the earth called the tribulation period. And so seven years of tribulation. I'm working on the second volume now of the Revelation book. And I'm working, boy, I'm working right now uh, on the seven sealed book. And uh, you talk about unbelievable, uh, unbelievable time. Uh, People are going to die. So many people are going to die. Every single day, uh, uh, folks are going to die. It's going to be a terrible time. And people say, well, uh, uh, preacher, we're in the tribulation right now. Oh, no, no, we're not even close. Brother, you're living in paradise right now compared to the tribulation period. But after the rapture of the church, seven years of tribulation. This is when the Antichrist will come, and he'll set up his kingdom on the earth, and folks will have to receive the mark of the beast to, to buy and sell and trade and get medical attention and go to the doctor. Uh, if you don't have the mark of the beast, you won't be able to go into Walmart if there is such a thing as Walmart. You'll not be able to go into Walmart. That might be a blessing, actually. But anyway, you'll not be able to go into any kind of store, food line, or uh, or whatever, whatever, wherever you shop. You'll not be able to buy and sell or trade. You'll not be able to go to the emergency room and get medication. Not be able to go to the drugstore and get medication as, unless you have that mark of the beast. And so, the seven years tribulation, brother Donna, can I use you just a second? And so, uh, uh, right around that time, we got the rapture of the church. We got the seven year tribulation. And while that seven-year tribulation is taking place on the earth, there's also something else taking place in heaven, and that's the judgment seat of Christ. And so that's you and I will be at the judgment seat of Christ. If you're a born-again Christian, we'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. This judgment will not be for sinners. This judgment will be for the saved. And uh, by the way, thank God, at this judgment, will not be judged according to our sin. We'll be judged according to our work. Uh, My sins were judged in Jesus on the cross. Uh, And and, uh, you say, well, preacher, after I got saved, what about my future sins? When you got saved, 
uh, when Jesus died, all of your sins were future sins. And so Jesus died not only for your past sins, present sins, but he died for your future sins. And so we'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. And this is where we will receive rewards or lose rewards. Uh, the, Lord will have, the Lord will say, boy, I, I, look over here. I had all these rewards and crowns for you, but uh, you bailed out on me, and you, you got out of church, and you, and you got backslid, and all these rewards I had for you, and you got away, got away from me. Uh, this is where we'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. And, uh, and so we've got the, uh, the marriage, uh, the marriage supper, uh, judgment seat of Christ, and, uh, and uh, let's see, Chris, can I use you just for a second? Come up here, if you will. And uh, now, Chris is going to represent something wonderful. So stand right here, if you will, Chris. And so uh, we've got the rapture of the church. We'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then we've got seven years of tribulation uh, upon the earth, Antichrist, and all the horrible things that will happen during the tribulation period. During that time, uh, the uh, judgment seat of Christ where we'll receive rewards or lose rewards and we'll stand. By the way, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Uh, we've all got an appointment here. Every one of us do. You'll not miss it. You'll not miss this one. We're all going to stand here. That means we better do what we're going to do for Jesus now while we have a chance. He could come tonight. Uh, listen, did you, know, did you know by midnight tonight this could start? We think about tribulation, we think, oh, that's, that's probably 50 years down the road. It may be 50 minutes. Now, I don't know. I'm not sure. But I'm just saying that, brother, when that trumpet blows and we're called away, I don't know when the Lord's going to start it, but, uh, but it could start very soon. And so then we've got that to judgment seat of Christ. But after the judgment seat of Christ takes place, seven years of tribulation on the earth, then what we have is called the second coming of Christ. Now, a lot of folks get this mixed up with this. When Jesus comes in the rapture, he's coming to the air, in the air, and we'll be called up to meet the Lord in the air. When Jesus comes here, he's not coming in the air. When Jesus comes over here, a lot of folks will miss it. They'll be left behind in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It'll take place. It'll be done before we know what happened. And the folks will be caught off guard. And uh, wait a minute now, he'll come unannounced. Over here, oh, let me tell you something. He's coming announced. He's coming as, he's not coming uh, as a, 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 a savior to die on a cross. He's coming as a king. He's coming as a judge. And the Bible says he's gonna rule and reign with a rod of iron. And so when Christ comes in that second coming, right here, after all these other prophetic events, he is going to set up his kingdom on this earth. He'll take the devil, and for 1,000 years, hallelujah, for 1,000 years, Satan will be bound out of sight, out of mind. Uh, God's going to chain him up. And you'll not, you'll not hear of Satan anymore. Uh, for a thousand years, Satan will be gone. And, uh, and uh, uh, Trump, and I pray for Trump, and I love Trump. I, I really do. I support him. Uh, listen, I felt like they were attacking him so bad the other day, I wrote him a personal letter. And I said, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you as the President of the United States, and we stand with you. Amen. And, uh, but anyway, Donald Trump will not be the President uh, right here. Jesus will be president. 
and Jesus will be prime minister, and Jesus will be king, and Jesus will be prince of peace and the prince of glory, and, uh, and what he says will go. And right here at this point, Jesus will begin to set up his kingdom on this earth for a thousand years, and you and I that are saved will rule and reign during this 1,000 years, will rule and reign with Jesus Christ. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate that. Now, here's the question. What's it going to be like when Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom on the earth? You know what, uh, uh, Pastor? 1,000 years. What's it going to be like? Well, let me just give you several thoughts just real quickly, and, and we're going to go to the fellowship. How about this? Number one, we see the offering of sacrifices. Now, I want you to take and, and look back to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And again, we're using an Old Testament story as a New Testament truth. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. The Bible says, Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. Look at verse, uh, verse number 4. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. And King Solomon offered, look at this. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. Somebody said that King Solomon at that point offered almost $10 million worth of animals uh, at that sacrifice. And so we see the offering of sacrifices. Now you say, Pastor, why is that important? I'll tell you why. Because according to Ezekiel chapter 43, did you know that these sacrifices will resume under the reign of Jesus Christ during his millennial kingdom? Uh, sacrifices will begin to take place again. Now, somebody says, preacher, uh, uh, why? Why will that happen? Uh, uh, will it be because we need to be redeemed? No, it won't be because we need to be redeemed. And if I can just remind you of this, really and truly, the Old Testament sacrifices never redeemed anybody anyway. Uh, that blood of bulls and goats never really uh, paid for sins. It just provided a covering is all it did until the Lamb of God came and paid the ultimate sacrifice and the atonement for our sin. But let me tell you why there's going to be sacrifices during the millennial reign of Christ. Because these sacrifices will be a continual reminder a reminder, as people see these animals killed, it's going to remind people for a thousand years that sin brings pain. Sin brings death. As we see these animals sacrificed during the millennial reign of Christ, it'll be that reminder that sin brings death. But also, preacher, why would they be sacrificing during the millennial reign of Christ? Because these sacrifices will be an eternal and a continual reminder of what Jesus Christ did for you and me on the cross of Calvary, okay? Ever so often, we have what's called communion here at Calvary Baptist Church. We have the Lord's Supper, and we take a little time, and we just pause, put the brakes on, and we take the bread and the juice uh, to uh, uh, illustrate his body, broken body, the blood of Christ, and, uh, and we just remember. That's what that's about. We remember what Jesus did for us. During this kingdom of Christ, these sacrifices will continually take place. Why? It'll be like a continual Lord's Supper. I mean, forever, uh, for all these days, you know what? We'll be reminded. That's what Jesus did for me. That's 
why I'm here. That's why I'm able to rule and reign with him because Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. And so we see the offering of sacrifices. Number two, we see overwhelming glory. Now, look, if you'll back at 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 1. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven. It consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. Notice this. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter to the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Now, uh, I want you to hold your, your, your finger at uh, 2 Chronicles 7 or put your rib in there or something. And I want you to turn over to the book of Isaiah with me. Isaiah chapter number 6. And I want you to notice what the prophet Isaiah had to say about this future kingdom that's uh, getting ready to come on the earth. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, uh, look, if you will, at, at verse number 1. I'll read quickly. 1 Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah, Isaiah 6. And verse number one, find your place, say amen. amen. All right? In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the Bible says, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the, the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Look what he says. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the what? The king, uh, the Lord of hosts. And so... When Jesus sets up his kingdom on, the, on this earth, it'll be a time of overwhelming glory. His glory will fill the earth. Now, let me tell you what that means. Basically, that means this, that the curse as we know it now will be lifted off the earth. Now, we can't understand that. We, we, none of us can because that's all we've ever known is curse. But when Christ begins to set up his kingdom on the earth, the curse will be lifted. In other words, the earth will be restored to an Edenic state. Uh, uh, it'll be like the, the earth will become like the Garden of Eden again. And so you'll walk through Union Grove. There'll be no briars. There'll be no more thorns. Uh, there'll be no briar patches. Uh, you know what? All those things will be gone. Uh, there'll, be no, uh, you know, there'll, there'll be no running into a yellow jacket's nest. And, and getting all stung and, and uh, allergic and all those things because the curse will be lifted. Uh, think about this. The animal kingdom will no longer be wild. And I'm not sure about this. I'll let Brother Looney and Brother Horn uh, debate this out. But uh, it could be. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it could be that during that time, you and I will be able to communicate with the animal kingdom. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, you say, hold on just a minute, Pastor. You mean that we'll be able to talk to animals? I don't know. I'm not sure. I do know this. I do know this. That when the serpent came and spoke to Eve, it didn't alarm her. In fact, she talked right back to him. Uh, now, could it be that during that time when the curse is lifted that the animals will be able to communicate uh, with humans? I'm not sure, but I know this. Uh, uh, during that time, during that kingdom, the glory will fill the earth. Sickness, boy, and this a blessing. 
Sickness will be a thing of the past. And uh, now, turn over a couple pages to Isaiah chapter 11. You're going to love this. Isaiah chapter 11. And notice again, God allowed the prophet Isaiah to look down through the corridors of time. And Isaiah recorded what this uh, a kingdom is going to be like. Isaiah 11 and verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips Shall he slay the wicked? Oh, there'll be no more abortion in this day I'm talking about. No more abortion uh, during this day. Uh, there'll be no more homosexuality during this day. Uh, there'll be no more, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, all the, the drug trafficking and, and all these things that are going on during this day. Uh, verse, number, uh, verse number five. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Now watch closely, church. Verse six. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leper shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them and the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp that's a snake uh, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so, uh, so there's going to be overwhelming glory during this kingdom. The curse, the curse will be lifted. And uh, you won't have to fear the animal kingdom anymore. You won't have to, uh, you know, again, it's going it's to be something. But, but also this, there'll be, there will be death during the millennial reign of Christ. But much, much less than what we're used to right now. In fact, in fact, those who die at 100 years old will be considered a child. In fact, our Bible tells us, and I'm going to show it to you, our Bible tells us that during that millennial reign of Christ that you and I are going to live like the trees. In other words, we're going to live for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, uh, people will live hundreds of years during that time. Look, uh, 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 turn over to Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. Now, thank God we're going to live eternally. Amen. Isaiah 65 and verse number 19. The Bible says in verse number 19, And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Now look, look what it says, verse 20. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days, for the child shall die an hundred years old. But the sinner, being in a hundred years old, shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and, and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. 
They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. Look at this. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth uh, 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 for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. Look at verse 24. And it shall come to pass that before that, oh, this is good. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. And so we see in this millennial reign of Christ, uh, this kingdom blessing. First of all, we see the offering of sacrifices. Then we see overwhelming glory. The curse will be lifted. But how about this number three? We see outstanding praise and worship. Now I want you to turn back again to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and look at verse number 3, if you will. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 3. And notice here, the Bible says, And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Now, I'm going to be honest, even as a young person, I, not, not, it, it didn't bother me, but I didn't understand it. We're going to worship the Son continuously. I mean, for all of eternity, not just this thousand years, but for all of eternity, we're going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, we're going to praise him. We're going to give him praise, and we're going to give him glory. Now, here's the question. How, how could we have a desire to worship a person continuously. But I want us to understand something tonight, that we're not going to be worshiping a man. We're going to be worshiping the God-man. You see, right now, church, you and I, we see through uh, uh, what uh, Paul said was a glass darkly. We don't understand how it's going to be. We don't understand just how great the Lord is going to be. This is all I'm saying. When we, And I know you don't understand it, and I don't understand it, and I'm not going to describe it to you like I need to tonight, but I'm just saying this. When we finally get into his presence, when we finally get there and we behold him and we see those nail-scarred hands and we see those nail-scarred feet, did you know, brother, that, that, that we're going we're gonna to want to give him glory and honor and praise? I believe this. I believe that we will be overcome by his greatness and his glory. Now, again, we see a picture of that in the Old Testament. Uh, you're, in, you're in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Look back again at 2 Chronicles chapter 9. And so here, here again, the Queen of Sheba, and she, uh, she's heard of Solomon's kingdom. She's heard of his greatness. But she says, you know what? I'm going to go down and see firsthand. And so 2 Chronicles chapter 9 and verse number, verse number 3. The Bible says, And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers also and their apparel, and it's a scent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. Y'all with me? Look what it says. There was no more spirit 
in her. In other words, she said, I can't believe it, can't believe it, can't believe it, can't believe it. She said, I heard about it. She said, people told me about it. She said, I read about it. But she said, the half's not been fancied. She said, I came here and I see all your glory. And the Bible says it so overwhelmed her that she that she had no more spirit in her. Listen to me, church, is all I'm saying. One of these days, one of these days, we shall behold him. And when you finally get in his presence, automatically we will fall down and give him praise and glory and adoration. I remember, I remember many, many years ago, my wife and I were, we were going to go uh, on our 11th uh, wedding anniversary. Uh, uh, we were going to go to Maui, Hawaii. And so we started, you know, researching it and scoping it out. We got some uh, we got some brochures and and we talked to some folks about it and we read up on it. Then I don't know if we even had really had internet back then. And uh, but we read about it, looked in some magazines and things like that. And and uh, we tried to try to get geared up for the trip. Well, well, we went down to Charlotte and got on a plane and that plane flew to Atlanta and we got on that plane, that plane flew to Los Angeles and uh, we waited there for a little bit, got on a plane and then we flew four more hours over the Pacific Ocean. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, as we were uh, getting close, my wife and I had never been. All I could see was water. I mean, that's all you could see was water. And all of a sudden, you heard people in the plane. There it is. There it is. There it is. Look, look, look. And you could hear chatter all over the plane. And my wife and I, boy, we started looking out those windows. And sure enough, oh, my soul, we heard people call it paradise, but we didn't understand it. That plane landed, and I remember they opened that door, and my wife and I walked out. They put some little legs around our neck, and we walked out and looked, and for the first time, we understood why they called it paradise. Wait a minute. This is all I'm saying. You know what? I don't care if it's me or Brother Horn or Brother Looney or anybody else that's preaching. It can be Jack Hiles or B.R. Lakin or Lee Robertson, and they can tell you how great Jesus is, but they really can't, they really can't describe it like it needs to be described. But one of these days, one of these days, when you close your eyes here and you open your eyes over there and you behold him, I'm telling you, you're going to say, Preacher didn't do it justice. He didn't do it justice. He's marvelous. He's wonderful. He's high and lifted up. And, buddy, we will give him praise and we'll give him worship. Oh, yes. Hey, how about this? Number four, I'm just going to hit this, go to the last point. Number four, we notice an opulent feast. Now, look, look back at 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 8. The Bible says in verse number 8, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 8, also at that time Solomon kept the feast. Well, that's got my attention. He kept the feast seven days, and all Israel with him. And a very great congregation from the entering in of Hamath under the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day they made a solemn assembly for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. One of these days we're going to have a feast, the feast of all feasts. I, I think about Brother Mike and Miss Beverly. They're away on a cruise right now. Them dirty dogs, amen. And, uh, and I remember the first time my wife and I went on a cruise, and we'd never been, never been on one. In fact, I remember we were, uh, we, we'd got to the, the port there, and we were getting all our luggage out, and the, the guy came over to help us get all of our luggage uh, loaded up, and we were like, wow, look at that boat. Look at that boat. And that guy said, hold on, hold on, just a minute. 
He said, let's get something straight. He said, you see that thing hanging on the side of that? That's a boat. He said, you see this right here? That's a ship. <laughs> and it was like, okay, all right. We went, on that, we went on that cruise. And they had something called the Midnight Buffet. And we had never been to anything like that. And so we stayed up. We stayed up. Oh, yes, we stayed up. And, and we went down to that midnight buffet. And you know what? It wasn't just great food, but it was, it was beautiful to the eyes. I mean, the fruit was all carved into all kind of, you know, they had ice sculptures. And they had uh, uh, watermelons carved into different shapes and, and uh, beautiful. I mean, just, I mean, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a lot of that. And uh, now, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute now. That's all I'm saying. Do you think, do you think for a half of a flat second that our God is going to be outdone by Carnival Cruise Line? Oh, no. I'm going to tell you something, buddy. I don't care. Uh, you, you, uh, Carnival or Royal Caribbean or, or whoever, you march them all out. And I'm telling you, one of these days, when we get into glory, uh, you're going to have the feast of all feasts. And by the way, no calories. Amen. And you don't have to worry about cholesterol and heart attack. And uh, oh, boy, in heaven going to be wonderful. Oh, yes. Amen. We're preaching the Bible tonight. Amen. And uh, now let's bring this thing to a close. Let's bring it to a close. Last of all, Last of all, we see an observable house. Now, I want you to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 11, and we're going to bring this thing to a close. The Bible says, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all that came into Solomon's heart, and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he prosperously effected. Did you know there was nothing else quite like the house that Solomon built in history? In fact, when they destroyed the house of God and they rebuilt it in Ezra's day, you know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says the young men shouted, the old men wept. You know why? Because the older men, the elderly men looked at this new house and they said, it's nice. But it's nothing in comparison to the house of God that we know of. It was so beautiful. Experts tell us this, that the Biltmore Estate, how many have been to the Biltmore House? They tell us the Biltmore Estate is worth $350 million. It has 250 rooms in the Biltmore Estate. 35 bedrooms, 43 bathrooms, 65 fireplaces, and that it's worth $350 million. How many think that's amazing? It's pretty amazing. But scholars tell us that the value of the house of God that Solomon built was $174 billion dollars. Just the priest vestments alone were worth $10 million. The temple trumpets were worth $1 million. And just the vessels of gold, the cups and the dishes that they used in the house of God, they estimate to be worth $1.8 billion. Just the dishes. Wait a minute now. 
there's a picture here. There's a picture. That means, that means this. That means the cups in this house were worth more than all of the Biltmore estate combined. Just the cups. Did you know the Bible says in John 14 and verse number one, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, that you may, there you may be also. And some uh, preachers say, well, uh, really what that needs to say, it needs to say in my Father's house are many rooms. I beg your pardon. Leave my Bible alone. The house that Solomon built will be but a drop in the bucket compared to the house that Jesus is building right now. Man, what a kingdom. What a time. What, what, what a time it's going to be when, when we're with the Lord. You know, don't, don't, get too, don't get too attached to this world down here. Because God's got something far better for us waiting. We're going to bow our heads tonight and we're just going to have a, a stanza of, two of an invitation song. And if somebody needs to come to the altar, the altar's going to be open. And then we're going to make our way up to the fellowship tonight. You know, it could be that, that there may be somebody here tonight and you're not ready for that kingdom. It could be tonight that there may be somebody that's here that's not ready for that where Brother Ricky stood tonight, that rapture of the church. It could be there might be somebody here tonight that's not ready for the rapture. You're not rapture ready. And if you're not, boy, tonight's a great night to get in. It's a great night to get saved. And so we're going to give you that opportunity. If you don't know that you know that you know that you're born again and going to heaven, why don't you come tonight? Let's all stand all over the house, if you will. Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together. And I pray we've learned a little something this evening. And I pray we've been encouraged. Father, all the trouble and the trials that we have on this, in this life, Father, help us to understand that you have a great blessing waiting for us in the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. What a time. What a kingdom. What a home in heaven. It's going to be, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to, to be ready to meet the Lord. Lord, if there may be one here tonight that doesn't know, I pray they would come and let us take our Bible and show them how they can be saved tonight. Maybe there's someone watching by way of live stream, and they don't know for sure that they're born again. Tonight, Heavenly Father, I pray that they would call out to Jesus and ask Christ to come into their heart and life and forgive them for their sins and save their soul, and take them to heaven one day. And God, he'll save them right now where they are. Have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, the pianists will play. And if you need to come, the altar's open tonight. We'll pause just a moment. It could be somebody's got a burden here tonight. If you need prayer, we'll meet you down here at the front. You come tonight while we wait.